independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back after the holidays. Southwest Airlines is a mess. Uh, Flights are canceled. It seems like weather conditions are getting better. Uh, There's confusion as to what all of the different uh, causes are of the challenges uh, they are facing. 60%, I think, at least of um, Southwest Airlines flights are already canceled for today. Uh, That's on the heels of at least 60% being canceled, up to 80%. Uh, being canceled, I think, a couple days ago. Uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, popped up on, I think this was CNN with Wolf Blitzer, and talked about what was going on in the world of Southwest Airlines after getting off the phone in a conversation with the CEO. By the way, the CEO of Southwest has issued an apology. Uh, That's out and playing all over the place. I do think that's kind of hilarious. And what I mean by that is I don't know that many of the people dealing with all the challenges of not having luggage or flights or anything uh, need just the sorry or that it's doing much good. It's making them feel any better. I wonder if there actually is like one family uh, where they're sitting in a hotel that they're paying for and trying to get Southwest to pay for it. Some people are fighting through all that. Where like the husband goes on Twitter, sees the apology from Southwest CEO and goes, oh, honey, hey, uh, the Southwest CEO apologized to all of us. There we go. That's not so bad then. I imagine that's not happening uh, because of, well, the amount of things that would be thrown at and screamed at the person that says that to their loved one. But here we go. This is Pete Buttigieg, as I said, uh, giving us some insight into what's going on. And by the way, anytime I hear Pete speak, I feel like he's a guy that definitely doesn't want to be the transportation secretary. spoke directly with the CEO of Southwest Airlines. Did you get any explanation at all for this horrendous meltdown of epic proportions? Well, meltdown is the right word. This is an unacceptable situation. You look at the number of <laughs> right? passengers who are stranded. It's bad. Uh, you look at how hard it is mm-hmm. even to get somebody on the phone Did you get to address any it. Uh, from what I can tell, Southwest is unable to locate even where their own crews are, let alone their <laughs> That's bad. Own passengers, let That's alone not good. baggage. All uh, right. So uh, I conveyed to the CEO uh, our expectation that they are going to go <laughs> above and beyond on, to guys. take care of passengers and to address this. All right. uh, they indicated a number of issues that they're having with uh, systems, uh, legacy systems for managing uh, mm-hmm. their, their schedule and where their crews are. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, the rest of the aviation system yeah. has been on the road to recovery since the worst days of the storm going into Friday of... And Southwest Airlines is not. It's weird. There's almost no explanation uh, of what the actual question was. Do you know what the root cause of the problem is outside of the reference of the legacy technology being at a part of the challenge? Uh, but I just love the fact that he goes, I explain to them the stuff we want. You know, just like the vice president wags her finger and says the border is closed and then we expect people to not show up and cross into the country illegally. Like, I, I let them know. I'm going to send them a strongly worded memo at some point in the near future. If that doesn't work, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll probably have to sit them down for a heart-to-heart talk at some point and tell them I'm disappointed in them and then put Southwest Airlines in the corner for an hour or so to think about what they've done. Uh, I don't know exactly uh, when and how uh, this will finally be fixed and the long-term solution will be, I imagine, a myriad of of changes uh, to Southwest and its technology itself. Uh, but it, it's just sort of hilarious that that's what's referenced. I love the version of of uh, politician or uh, maybe even just this administration's approach to so many things where you just act like the dad in the room. And what I mean by that, and this is no offense to anyone who is a father, uh, you, you say some of the things that you want or expect to change and be better 
uh, with your kids, but you might leave some of the execution of those challenges or those decisions uh, up to mom. You might actually ask somebody else uh, to be involved in the day-to-day. You know, I came in, I handled it. I know not all dads are like this. I'm just probably throwing a few under the bus and I apologize for it. But I feel like that's the version where it's like, yeah, no, I, I, I talked to them. They're going to fix it. Everything's fine now. Uh, and then you just you just move on. You just uh, don't worry about it again. And it doesn't always work out that way. I don't know. I just love that this administration is going that road. It sounds like once again. And other than that, I think that um, Buttigieg doesn't want to be uh, a part of those conversations. All right. Uh, moving on to other stuff in the world. Uh, you've probably heard about this interview at this point. If you follow politics at all. Uh, but Tulsi Gabbard, who was filling in for Tucker Carlson, had George Santos on the show. Uh, George Santos is the politician, the Republican out of uh, Long Island in New York, uh, who made up his entire resume, which I've said, I think I said it yesterday, and I'll keep saying it, is just the political machine taking one step up in the things that it lies about. It's not just that politicians lie to us about what's going on in the world or going on in our country, a lie to us about the things they're going to do to fix the problems we have, a lie to us about what they're actually spending money on. All that is is politics that we accept. But now somebody made up what school they went to or if they went to school at all or what places they worked at or just pretty much everything about them. And that's where we draw the line, people. So it's good we have a standard here in the United States. It's good that we don't tolerate lying. Uh, by the way, our, our current president, well, he was a senator, lied about his success in school, his success as an athlete, his family's success in some of those areas, uh, his family's um, uh, uh, participation in certain military things. He's lied about a lot of stuff in his personal life, but eh, it's not important. That happened a while ago. Now, now we have a standard that we care about. But this conversation, this interview was brutal and it was entertaining as well. Uh, because of how strong I think Tulsi was in some of the ways she asked certain questions. The thing is, Congressman-elect, integrity means, yes, carrying yourself with honor, but it means means telling the truth, being a person of integrity. And if I were one of those in New York's 3rd District right now, now that the election is over and I'm finding out all of these lies that you've told, not just one little lie or one little embellishment, these are blatant lies my question is do you have no shame okay i want to stop it right there that is a brutal way to ask that question it's close to uh, tell me the truth you can't handle the truth as far as versions of back and forth conversation go well not uh screaming and yelling it like tom cruise does in that movie uh, but that is that's a, also a wonderful question uh, and this was halfway into the interview where there was already some evasiveness from a george santos uh, there were the statements made like well we all make mistakes Everybody, I'm owning my mistakes now. We all do stuff like fully fabricate a resume. That's something everybody does. Uh, Let's hear from George. Do you have no shame in the people who are now (laughs) you're asking to trust you to go and be their voice for them, their families, and their kids in Washington? Tulsi, I can say the same thing about the Democrats and and the party. Look at Joe Biden. Joe Biden's (laughs) been lying to the American people for 40 years. He's the president of the United States. It's true. Democrats resoundly support him. Do they have no shame? This, Look, this I've is, made this very this clear. This is not this I is made, not about the Democratic Party, though. This is about, about your you. relationship, no, frankly, with the people who've entrusted you to go and and fight for them. And I think one of the questions that that really probably hits home to a lot of people is is Are you Jewish? We've, we've got a letter that your campaign sent out earlier this year, which reads as follows. As a proud American Jew, I've been to Israel numerous times for educational, business, and leisurely trips. 
you said there in that letter that you are quote a proud American Jew. How do you how do you explain that? My heritage is Jewish. I've always identified as Jewish. I was raised a practicing Catholic. I think I've gone through this. Even I've not not being raised a practicing Jew. I've always joked with friends and circles, even with in the campaign. I'd say, guys, I'm Jewish. Remember, I was raised uh-huh. Catholic. So, all right, here now. I'm going to stop it there. Uh, that is uh, something that I would watch and probably play for you every single minute of because of how intense the back and forth is. I don't think we get a lot of interviews uh, quite like this, and especially where. And I'm not uh, accusing. Uh, Tucker Carlson or Fox News of, of not doing conversations like this before. But I imagine for the politician, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be on Fox. I'm going to have an interview on this show uh, for this reason. I feel like out of any of the places to go deal with this publicly, this is the safest place for me. You see that all the time in legacy media. Uh, you see that all the time when the left interviews the left. So it's sort of wonderful to watch uh, Tulsi fill in on this show and do what I imagine Tucker would have done too, which is grill the person, which is ask them why they've done and lied about so many of these things. Uh, it's just it's just so odd. It's so, um, I don't know, uh, entertaining is one of the words for it, but uncomfortable, I guess there's several others uh, that you could throw in there too. I'll just say this again, and I, I believe it, even though people might think I'm excusing behavior by saying it, because I'm not trying to excuse behavior, but I do think it, it bears mention. This isn't surprising if you've been paying attention to politics at all over the last however many years, probably uh, a long, long time in the world of our, our political system, our political machine, and certainly the way in which people try to overcome whatever it is that comes out about them, whatever it is that are the, you know, the, the dirt that's dug up. Um, for someone to choose to just lie more, than the average uh, politician lies about more stuff, about easy to verify, easy to figure out stuff um, is is not shocking because I think we're blazing a trail in that direction. Uh, and case in point, I know I mentioned this yesterday, and I'll just throw it out there again. Uh, politicians during the omnibus omnibus bill uh, said that they absolutely supported it, and then several admitted they didn't read it. So when we have a system that's so broken that you can publicly admit that you're signing your name to a piece of paper that you have no idea what's in it because your party told you that you should sign it. Uh, We have a system that not only um, uh, does uh, a lot of things that the American people would beg it not to do, but we have a system that props up all kinds of versions of this is a show, this is a performance, Uh, this isn't the way that everyday life or everyday people are are, uh, judged or the standards they're held to. Should the guy step down? Should the guy not um, uh, go ahead and and try to serve his two years as a congressman? Uh, I don't know. Um, Probably yes is the right answer to that. But in all honesty, uh, as he even said in that back and forth where he's trying to defend himself, he's not the only politician that's lied about even some of the same stuff. And some of those other people, they're in pretty important positions. So it's a challenging situation. It's a unique situation. It's an entertaining situation uh, as well. Quick break, a lot more. This is Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Welcome to Tribal Free Radio. Information over affirmation. Facts over fiction. It's ridiculous, and I want you to know that. You call it ridiculous, we call it reality. That's a crock. Real over fake. God help us. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. The Chad Benson Show. 
Fighting truth decay the American way. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Chad is back after the holidays. Uh, look, I, I was a huge fan of the NBA as a kid, a huge fan of Michael Jordan, as I imagine most people my age, I'm a millennial, uh, were also uh, just growing up, um, I, well, I don't know what the, even the right word was, captivated by everything and anything that MJ did on the court. Uh, but at some point, I kind of lost uh, following the NBA. It's not a, a sport I, I even, on a day-to-day basis, really pay that much attention to. I don't know if it, and I, I kind of guess I blame this, is some of the woke things or the way in which the uh, athletes now talk a lot more about uh, politics than they used to. Uh, MJ is actually famous, and I know I've said this on a bunch of uh, radio places, including probably here before, uh, for saying after being asked about his politics while he was a player that he didn't want to get into them because Republicans buy shoes to men. So they, and it doesn't matter what the the politics are of a basketball player or football player. Base, I don't care. Like, that doesn't change my appreciation for how well they uh, play at a sport. But I guess at some point, and I think this is true for a lot of people uh, in the United States, if, if you can't forget about politics to watch sports, you wind up tuning some of it out. Uh, but I say all that to say that something that happened last night in a game between the uh, Dallas Mavericks and the New York Knicks was ridiculous. Uh, Luka Doncic had 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. But he also had a, a playground moment, and I want to play this audio, if, if you don't mind, uh, where he threw the second of two free throws hard off the backboard. It actually rattles around in the rim and then comes out, and somehow he gets the rebound after it bounces off a couple other players' hands puts it back up with about a second left to tie the game, to go into overtime where they win the game in overtime again with a 60-21-10 performance from Luka. Uh, it's, it was a heck of a game. It was a special game, I think, in the world of the history of basketball. Here we go. Nothing shocks me about this game. And that drew rim. It's still loose. Luka got it back. <laughs> he did it. Uh, by the way, since you can't see it, I know this is radio. Uh, Luka is dancing. He's shaking both of his hands. He has the joy of like a, a baby after you give the baby uh, chocolate for the first time. I don't know. There's something about it in that moment. And I guess he said later in an interview that he thought he actually had won the game. He kind of forgot that those two points only tied things, so they had to go to overtime. But it was something else. Even after the game, uh, here's how Luca uh, actually responded to a question from the courtside interview where he's asking about how things are going, how he's feeling right now. I love this answer, too. 60-point, 20-rebound, triple-double. 60 points, 20 boards, never, never happened. By the way, he even looked at um, uh, the person giving the, doing the interview and being like, wait a minute, what? I got how many? Was it 60? Oh, that's cool. Baby, how's it feel right now? I'm tired as hell. <laughs> you can rest later. You're young. I yeah. need a recovery beer. Oh, we- he needs a recovery beer right now. Someone should hand him one. Uh, but again, and I don't, I don't mean for the long, I don't really pay as much attention to the NBA as I used to rant to take away from the coolness of that moment. Uh, but that's why it wasn't really on my radar till it was all over the internet, uh, all over social media. The Knicks-Mavs game is still a trending, I think the top trending term on uh, on Twitter right now because it was it's ridiculous. That should not work. You should not be able to throw a basketball hard off of the backboard, bounce around in the rim, and get the rebound back in the NBA. That's not a place that should be a thing that is successful. But darn it, it was. And darn it, we all had a great time, and that man desperately needs a beer. All right, right before the break, I know it's coming up in just a bit, I wanted to throw this out there. Uh, Apparently, a lot of Star Wars fans are very excited because of photos that uh, NASA recently published from Mars. Uh, What really 
does look like, I will admit this, really does look like a lightsaber is photographed on the ground and Mars by the uh, Mars rover. Uh, NASA has explained that it's not a lightsaber, that it's actually a metal tube that's collecting uh, some sort of rock sample for the rover. It's definitely not something that is is from Star Wars and that movie franchise, but darn it, they don't care. The Star Wars nerds, and I say nerd lovingly, I'm a Marvel nerd, I'm a nerd of a lot of stuff, uh, but the Star Wars nerds are convinced that this is the beginning of the epic, epic fight uh, between the Jedi and the Sith. I even love the way that this article is written up uh, where I found it online because the person who wrote it definitely sounds like a Star Wars fan, uh, saying that obviously it can't be a lightsaber. Those aren't real. Uh, the um, elegant weapons of the uh, good fighting against the bad are not something that we have in this civilized age. It's something that I think at some point, at least the writer of this article hopes to exist in the future. But if there's any moment uh, that seems to be a another nice uh, moment of, of, say, joy, again, uh, giving people the happiness of a baby the first time it tries candy, uh, it seems like it's the Star Wars nerds and the appearance of a lightsaber on Mars. Uh, that's some of the good stuff out there in the world, at least for those who care. Uh, after this, I'll ruin all that uh, by playing audio of what I think is maybe a real-life Dr. Evil. Uh, that's coming up next. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. I'm going to dive deep into the waters of, I don't know if it's Twitter conspiracy theory or or what it is, uh, and I'm going to preface it hard in just a second. I just want to trigger warning that out there uh, before we even get into it. Uh, Before I do that, though, I want to play a little bit of audio from uh, Rachel Campos-Duffy. She filled in on Jesse Waters' primetime on Fox. Uh, She had a simple uh, set of things she said about the medicine um, uh, rationing that's going on in parts of our country. And I actually thought a lot of this was a pretty good point. I thought Rachel did a pretty good job uh, filling in on this show. Here we go. Nearly three years later, we may be in the clear when it comes to the pandemic, but now doctors are warning of a new triple-demic. And with it comes a brand new supply chain crisis hitting all across the nation. Pediatric medications like Tylenol, Advil and Motrin are becoming harder and harder to find as the flu, COVID and RSV illnesses are spreading like wildfire. Giant retailers are now limiting how much medication parents can buy for their kids. At CVS, you can only get two boxes at a time. At Walgreens, they say you can get a max of six bottles online, but they're completely sold out anyway. And now Target is the latest to join them, with parents only being allowed to buy two bottles at a time. Are we living in Cuba? (laughs) Sure feels like it if we're having to ration medications. Yeah, I agree with that last part there. It feels weird that here in the United States we're rationing medication because we're out of it, uh, more or less. And honestly, uh, one of the things I immediately think of when I hear that audio or or talk about uh, anything going on with the triple-demic is that with everything uh, and the, the craziness of COVID outbreaks in China, 
Uh, but with everything, all the decision making during the pandemic, I'm, I'm sort of glad that we opened up when we did as a country. Obviously, I wish we had opened up sooner in a lot of places uh, that didn't. And obviously, I disagree with a lot of the things that happened in the world of uh, vaccines and, and uh, just having to require them in order to live your everyday life. Uh, but when you look at other countries, especially China, uh, praised by Dr. Fauci for the way it handled the pandemic, you wonder how much of that being closed, being uh, isolated, whatever it might be, has wreaked havoc on our immune systems and caused the flu to be worse this year, caused RSV to be as bad as it is this year. And certainly um, for those that are looking for regular medicine, uh, since we don't have it on a lot of the shelves, uh, there is a unique challenge there as well. And I'm sure the Biden administration, our current uh, leaders, will do very little about it. They'll say they're going to do some stuff. They won't actually uh, do this stuff. All right. I want to play this audio. And I've debated back and forth whether or not to do this uh, at all. Uh, and certainly I want to make sure to, to honor the fact that uh, Chad does such a great job of not diving into a lot of the crazy conspiracy theories that are out there in the world in this show. Uh, but I can't get over the sound of this. Maybe that's what it is. Um, but I'm not a guy who believes that there's a dark organization uh, behind the scenes somewhere in society that's pulling the strings on everything. I have friends. I have uh, people I talk to all the time that say that I don't understand some stuff that there's stuff going on that I, I don't pay close enough attention to, or even beyond that, uh, using examples like, say, Twitter and the Twitter files to say, see, this system was built to be corrupted. I don't think systems are built specifically to be corrupted all that often, but I do think uh, people who want to take advantage of things will find a way to do it, and that some systems like Twitter are uniquely easy, uniquely weak in that world. And all those exchanges between the government whatever officials it might be, even with the Trump administration, uh, but also, of course, throughout the Biden administration, just the expectation that these social media companies do what the government is telling them to do. It's scary. It's weird. But anyway, we're going to dive a little deep into some of the things you hear about from some of those relatives, say, over the uh, holidays. Uh, Klaus Schwab, the guy who uh, founded the World Economic Forum in the 70s, uh, has this audio all over the place. Uh, one of the reasons it popped up for me 4.3 million views. Elon Musk uh, commented on it saying, ah, with a bunch of different ellipses and whatnot. It is, it's scary. Um, or at least it's intimidating, or at least uh, the uh, piece that's clipped here that I'll play for you out of context validates some of those concerns that these powerful individuals connected to powerful companies or organizations desire to slowly but surely Dr. Evil the world. That's what I feel like is happening. So I want to play the audio again because it's making the rounds and so significant, but I wanted all those prefaces to be out there so you don't think I'm starting to get up on the, the soapbox and scream and yell at you that every single conspiracy theory you've heard of is definitely true. I just think there might be a little bit more, and I've always been concerned about the World Economic Forum and their influence, uh, but there might be a little bit more to this individual's desire to say take over education, uh, which is what he's talking about here. We put emphasis on what I said before, public-private partnerships which we accompany. So when we define a, a project like our global educational initiative, I, I just describe it in a, in, a, in a second, we have under the leadership of Cisco <laughs> and many other companies. I'm already terrified. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the way the guy uh, speaks, the fact that he does have the Dr. Evil bald head. Um, I don't know what's what's going on here. Let's continue. He's practically all the big names. We, we try to revolutionize the educational system of uh, Jordan, what? Egypt, um, what? and now Burundi, um, by working together with the local 
uh, authorities. Um, we work also together with UNESCO, not only to equip the schools, but to put uh, to retrain the teachers, to put the new <laughs> curriculum uh, curricula huh? into place. So we work together with the we accompany those. Uh, we, we work together with them. We accompany them. Uh, we use our funds and our giant organizations like Cisco and whatnot to make sure to get into the schools to retrain all the teachers, uh, to teach them a new curriculum. I'm sure anyone that defends this, that says that this isn't a big deal, uh, is is going to say that um, they're just trying to help countries or, or help um, impoverished places have valuable systems of education. That's what they would say. It's, you know, we want to improve uh, the, the struggle to have a valuable kind of education in place. When you talk about retraining teachers, when you talk about uh, placing in new curriculum, when you talk about a lot more than, say, just funding uh, educational efforts throughout the, the world, uh, you get a weirder and weirder reaction from those who are critical or worried of any part of this in the first place. So this is definitely viral. Uh, it's all over the place as of, I think, uh, last night and the early parts of uh, today. Uh, it's definitely something that a lot of people are saying is, see, I told you so. They're saying the quiet part out loud essentially. Um, but it's just, I don't know if it's the voice as well uh, that's that's sitting there, the, the, the way in which this is all delivered as matter of fact, um, and the fact that the World Health, uh, or excuse me, the uh, global, uh, the World Global Initiative uh, would be so intent on uh, the things that they're doing in the world of education. I, I don't know. It just, it makes me feel like they're there should be some layers, some checks and balances as to why the World Economic Forum, excuse me, that's what I was stumbling on a second ago. Uh, but there should be some checks and balances to make sure that the curriculum, the things that are putting in place aren't overly, say, politically influenced as well. But it's just something that's that's bouncing around, that's all over the place, that I debated back and forth if I, I wanted to play. Because uh, I, I don't believe at the end of the day that there are these uh, dark organizations that actually pull the strings throughout all of society or all of the world. But I definitely think there are certain individuals who'd like to do that, who'd like to be that guy. And this guy feels like he's at the top of my list of people who might secretly be a Dr. Evil. All right, I want to move on to one other thing. I found this tremendously entertaining, totally different than what I was just talking about a second ago. Uh, a woman uh, got uh, a business insider profile. Her name is Mary Jane Copps. She is also known as the phone lady uh, because they were talking about her industry, how unique it is, her approach to something, the amount of money she's making uh, doing what she's doing. And as I read through this, I got more and more both depressed and also amused, dark humor, uh, about the need for this in our society. And I am a millennial, so I want to put that out there, too. Uh, what does the phone lady do? Well, she charges $480 an hour for one-on-one -on -one coaching, $365 for a 30-minute online webinar, and $3,500 a day to train various members of staff at corporations doing, like, all-day training to help Gen Z and millennials get over their, quote, deathly fear of talking on the phone. They're deathly afraid of talking on the phone. A generation that puts up so many social media videos where they talk into a camera and share everything and anything going on in their lives, but they can't get on the phone and talk to someone live in a one-on-one. -on -one. This is sad. Uh, this is uh, other stuff, but it's also sort of hilarious. And good on the woman. Uh, not that I would ever want to take up this service, but good on her to actually find a way to make a crap ton of money uh, doing a thing. $480 for a one-on-one -on -one hour of coaching, trying to convince someone that it's not scary to pick up and dial a phone and not just send a text anyway. 
Uh, part of what she says in her program, she gives people the skills to overcome the anxiety they have around making phone calls or even answering them. Uh, she uh, tries to find the ways to develop those skills by randomly calling friends and family with her safely in the room. Man, if you ever wanted to have a conversation with someone uh, who is highly critical of some of the ways in which our society has has devolved, uh, while also saying and screaming from the top of the lungs that there's a bunch of ways in which we've gotten stronger, better. Uh, we talk about these sort of things all the time as a society. If there's ever a way to just point to uh, some of technology, some of, I don't know, whatever the young people deal with today has definitely made us weaker, uh, this would be the easiest one to point to. Getting on a phone, speaking words into a telephone to someone else that you very likely know uh, being on the other line is actually terrifying. To some young people, uh, we all need help. Sweet, sweet, merciful heaven. Uh, we need help now to fix this from being a thing that anyone else struggles with. I would I would totally understand if it was like a fringe thing. There were like a few people uh, for mental health reasons that had unique challenges that none of the rest of us have. Uh, but this woman, this coach, who's making a crap ton of money doing this, is saying it's a very common phenomenon with a lot of Gen Z and a lot of millennials. And as I said several times, I'm almost as worried about this as I am that Dr. Evil guy I was playing a second ago. All right, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Serving up talk radio medium rare and dripping with irony, it's Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about today. Uh, I saw a few different things out there after all the severe weather and then the horrible news out of places like Buffalo, New York, where people uh, lost their lives about the importance of having a go bag inside your car. So I just wanted to take a quick second and go through that. Uh, this is something I've, I've heard on radio, television all the time and never actually done. Uh, but after this latest storm, I think it makes even more sense than ever to me and maybe to a lot of people to just have this stuff in your car just on the off chance it's ever important you ever need it. Uh, some of the things they, they mention to have include medicine. If you're someone who needs any sort of medication, uh, having an amount of that available for, say, a, a day or two in the vehicle, also having about 2,000 calories worth of food and a gallon of water uh, that just sits in the car somehow or is important having little tools, whether it's a Swiss Army knife or something else. Uh, even it says things, basic things like needing duct tape or something on the off chance that that's important. All those things should be left inside a vehicle along with ways to warm yourself, whether that's blankets, whatever it might be. Uh, just having a to-go bag or a collection of stuff in the trunk is incredibly important uh, and it could save you in a winter weather hazard of some kind. So uh, that's valuable out there in the world. And I thought I'd just mention it real quickly. There are also these stories about how iPhones saved a lot of lives or Apple products saved a lot of lives over the course of the last year uh, by automatically, say, calling uh, 911 or, or contacting someone uh, when something happened, whether it's a car accident, whatever it might be. Uh, there's stories out of California, out of uh, Indianapolis, all over the place. Uh, saying that these are things that have happened. It feels like a weird sort of ad for uh, Apple and iPhone because uh, I imagine the technology may exist also on Android. It did remind me, too, of a story with the newest iPhone. I think it's the 14 or whatever it might be and how people were calling 911 while at uh, theme parks on roller coasters because their watches, their phones, whatever it might be, thought they were getting in car accidents. And so police were being called constantly to any sort of theme park throughout the country. So some hiccups there. 
Uh, but I thought that was interesting too, that another valuable thing outside of just having equipment and whatnot in your car on the off chance that you need it for some reason is also having a device that does this automatically uh, if it detects that you are in fact in trouble or OnStar, whatever it is in your car. I don't know. Uh, there's a bunch of that stuff out there. All right, I'm moving on to other things because that felt oddly like an ad that was not an ad. No one paid me for what I just said there. Um, a mom went viral for punching out the teeth of another person at a, quote, gender reveal party. I know you've heard of these before. This is the new Chuck E. Cheese. I mean, Chuck E. Cheese is still Chuck E. Cheese. People get in brawls and fights there all the time. You can put it into your Google machine, which is what I like to call Google sometimes, and you can just type in Chuck E. Cheese brawl and see a bunch of fights that happen. But I guess like the new version of place or, or moment where you're going to actually punch somebody else or punch their, quote, teeth out, which is what one woman did to another one, is the gender reveal party. Actually, it's gotten so crazy at these sort of things that back in uh, 2020, the person who came up with the term or the trend uh, initially, uh, her name is Jenna, I guess. I think she's some sort of social media influencer, uh, said, we got to stop these. We got to put an end to the gender reveal party. Uh, this was because of a forest fire in California that burned down 23,000 acres of forest um, because people were being morons and either how they revealed the gender. Uh, the thing that was most interesting about this story, and I think it's out of the UK, the gender reveal party lasted until 2 a.m. at a bar, and at some point someone spilled wine on uh, this woman named Megan, who's 22. So she decided to take it out on other guests at the wedding, at the uh, gender reveal party, including some woman named Emma, uh, who eventually then got into a fight outside in the front of the bar at 2 o'clock in the morning. And when asked, like, what happened by the cops who saw it happen and actually even gave them a moment, almost like a hockey game, to work it out amongst themselves before getting involved. Uh, the woman who was throwing most of the punches and actually uh, might have knocked some teeth out said that she was a 10 out of 10 drunk, that she was very, very hammered. I don't know if that's like a common part of the gender reveal. I don't know if some of the friends you invite along, uh, they don't have kids, and maybe for that reason or something, I don't know what it is that goes on here, but people getting extra hammered uh, well, we're also finding out the the if it's a boy or a girl that someone's going to have in your friend group seems like a weird time. But again, this is the new Chuck E. Cheese because it's happening very, very often at the gender reveal party. I would never throw one of these in my life. I would never do it. I would never uh, do any version of it, not because I don't want to have a fight or have my friends get in a fight during this party. I, I do, in fact, think they're dumb. All right, moving on. Uh, I said that uh, anyone can write me hate mail that wants to. Well, actually, no. Uh, if you write hate mail here, you're not getting the right guy. So I apologize to Chad for anyone that's upset with that. Uh, real quickly, one other thing I thought was interesting uh, that's out there in the world of social media. Uh, someone went on my favorite place on Reddit, Am I the Jerk, and asked who's the jerk in a situation where one buddy uh, on a night out with his other friend gave him some brutal advice. Apparently, the one friend who's doing pretty well in his life has a good job in, in uh, surgical device sales. Uh, apparently has too high of standards, according to his other friend, and that's why he's not in relationships. But he complains about them all the time. He complains that the the few and far between women that he's interested in are ones that don't want to date him and why that is. So his friend said, hey, man, just lower those standards a tad. At least going on dates, at least taking a person out for, say, a, a cup of coffee or a drink, just pull those standards back a bit and see what happens. Because I guess, quote, according to the guy who wrote about this on social media, his friend is only interested in the exceptionally gorgeous uh, ladies of the world, and he might not be capable of, of pulling them, I think is one way to say it. Uh, so I thought it was funny. Uh, the friend was essentially saying that it might have really damaged their friendship 
to be so honest, to be so brutal. Uh, but you need that in your life, no matter who you think is right or wrong in this silly conflict between two people about uh, what the standard should be uh, for the girl in that guy's life. I think you need someone, uh, no matter what the topic is, to give you honesty when so few people do it. So my response to this story is that you should uh, repair the friendship because this is a friend you want to keep around. All right, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. This is The Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, I think I probably have to mention it every single hour. The craziness still going on uh, with Southwest Airlines. The amount of flights that are getting canceled over 60% on a daily basis. The CEO out there apologizing saying sorry, which probably makes none of the people who are stranded right now uh, just a few days after the holiday feel any better whatsoever about it. But hey, he said he's sorry, there's that. And even the investigation that's going to happen now by the government to check into exactly why things are as bad as they are, uh, the technology used by Southwest Airlines out of date uh, by a lot of different reports, and then also, I guess, the weather and maybe even the point-to-point way in which they transport people, which sounds very similar to other airlines, but might be overly reliant on on giant uh, airport hubs that were dealing with um, some form of the weather problems. Uh, maybe that's part of the issue, too. Uh, but those might just be excuses that are being floated around when the, the real reason is that they didn't update their computers. And honestly, for anybody who works anywhere where you have an old computer, not that it's going to be the exact same kind of problem, uh, but maybe it's one of those versions of C- This is why I've been asking people to update my 1990-something Dell computer uh, that's still using dial-up internet, depending on where you work. I hope not many people actually have that. All right, I want to talk about this real quick. Uh, This is an interview uh, Tucker Carlson did with the libs of TikTok founder, Haya Raichik. This is kind of going viral for a couple reasons. Uh, The first one being just uh, her saying that's important to no longer be anonymous, that she wants to be out there. She wants to be having conversations, using her name, uh, showing her face. Uh, She was doxxed. I think this was earlier on, maybe even last year. I can't remember exactly when that happened. And she's got some information about that too, which is probably why this conversation is so viral. But just quickly, I guess the the point of it all, uh, the reason to be out there and and be uh, more than just an account uh, that outs some of the craziness of the left in literally their own words, by playing things that people say on those social media platforms. And I have one example of that, which I'll play in a second too. Uh, But here's what she said was important to being like, you know, a name and a face now. Your accounts are anonymous to start with. Unless you're a public uh, official or, you know, a figure. Unless you have the verification. (laughs) Well, not anymore. Elon changed that. But until Elon uh, changed that, you know, most most Twitter accounts start off anonymous, uh, as as did mine. Um, And then I, you know, when my account started growing, I 
realized the hatred um, that the left has and their violent nature. And I was like, I'm going to remain anonymous. Yes. You know, what's interesting about her even saying it that way is the conversation about the intolerant left. Uh, because if you're on a certain side of the political aisle, uh, the left side of the aisle, you are very good at identifying the problems you see in not just the politicians on the right, but the people on the right, the people that you might say, um, you know, hate you, that might say uh, whatever it is uh, going on that you think uh, makes you entitled to cast a person that disagrees with you politically as bad and you as good. Uh, but very, very often, uh, people on that side of the conversation, people who envision themselves as morally superior, uh, wind up devolving into people that are definitely not behaving in a morally valuable way the minute that some of those ideals are challenged. So the intolerant left, which is not everybody, I'm not trying to overly categorize either side as any one thing, uh, but the people that every day are sending this woman messages telling her they want to hurt her, they want to kill her, uh, whatever it is they want to do uh, to harm her or to get her to take her account down, uh, which, by the way, is just replaying audio, not edited, not changed in any way of things that people say, especially, I think, on TikTok specifically, that are unreasonably woke, to say it the nicest way that I could. Here's one example. Uh, this is uh, just today, uh, this morning, a uh, post on Libs of TikTok. Uh, this is a woman saying that why you go to the gym to lose weight could be fat phobic. It depends on the why in your mind, the thoughts you have as to why you want to, to go to the gym in the first place or why you'd want to lose weight. She eats a sandwich while she talks about this, uh, which is an interesting move. Um, but here, here's just a little example of some of the ideology going so far out of balance that, that and granted, I guess, out of context, might be the only thing this person would say about how unfair it is uh, to share this and have it go viral like so many libs of TikTok things go. Um, but, and I don't know what the context would be that would make it better, uh, but once you, you deal with the amount of people who heavily disagree with you, uh, you get mad at those sharing it and say, how dare you? Uh, but nothing in this has changed. This is verbatim. What she said was the, quote, problem uh, with going to the gym and wanting to lose weight if you are doing it for, uh, as she thinks, the wrong reasons. What makes somebody fat phobic at the gym? Let's talk about it. Are you All going right. to the gym so you can get a flat stomach? Or are you going to the gym so you can build a stable core and have better posture? Are you <laughs> no. motivated to go to the gym so that you can lose weight? Or are you focused on increasing muscle and bone density? Do you only consider All a workout right. good when you feel sore or tired the next day? Mm -hmm. Or do you look to feel energized and awake after working Maybe out? Maybe all of the Are you prioritizing above. leg day because you want your butt to look super delicious? <laughs> or is it because you know strong glutes help protect your knees and your back? Yes. Wanting to work out does not make anyone fat phobic, but the motivations why you might go to the gym do. Okay, here's what's terrifying about that. And the amount of like her, her smiling, happy version of saying this uh, to whoever was on her social media account uh, before it got shared by Libs of TikTok. I do want to uh, address this for a second. And I'm not trying to say uh, that everybody, um, you know, uh, has to agree with me or her or anyone on any of these issues. But it's just terrifying that she thinks that, that she believes that mentally uh, what's uh, where someone's at. The reason if I, for my own body, I want to go to the gym because I want a, a butt that looks delicious. Her words, not mine. I've never thought that in my life. I am fat phobic now. I mean, I, I hate other people uh, because of what I want for me and how what I want for me is something that she doesn't want for her. And this is essentially the case in any conversation. It doesn't have to be just about the way we look, our bodies, any of that. It's, it's everything. It's our political beliefs. It's our handling of certain situations. 
the entitlement of of those who who want to censor thought is insane. It's it's amazing uh, that we uh, don't just say, hey, uh, don't be a bully in school. Uh, don't if you're a kid or if you're someone, I guess, at some other point in your life uh, who says mean things to other people for certain reasons. That used to be the message. Uh, me as a millennial, and some people might say that there's even value in, in bullies in certain situations in our society. I don't know if I'm going to go that far on the show. Uh, but me as a millennial, that's how I was raised. Like, don't be mean to other people. Now, uh, the ex- expectation is don't think certain things unless I tell you they're okay to think them. And if you think other stuff, you're a part of the problem and you need to be outed uh, by society. But so it's stuff like that that appears every day on libs of TikTok. Again, not change, not really uh, narrative added at all, uh, just the basic sentiment itself and a bunch of people saying how crazy it is. Uh, but here is the other part of this interview with Haya Raichik, the person behind that account, who is now publicly saying who she is and, and doing uh, interviews. Uh, and I think people have seen her and known before because she was uh, doxxed and did some of those interviews. But now she's fully out there making these uh, making these appearances, having these conversations. Uh, here's what she said uh, about Ron DeSantis um, when she was in Florida, when she was first uh, outed by the Internet and didn't want to be, and how his team actually tried to offer her safety, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, I will say this. When I was doxxed, um, someone from Ron DeSantis's team called me. Really? Yes. And she said... Um, the governor wanted me to give you a message. Um, he said, if you don't feel safe, or you or your family, if you need a place to go, to hide, to stay, you're, you can come to the governor's mansion. What? He said, we have a guest house for you, <laughs> and you can come and stay as long as you need. The governor of Florida did. Yes. I, I can't even, I was like, I was almost in tears. Like That's amazing, in all honesty. And you might say, well, uh, DeSantis only did that because Libs of TikTok agrees with the ideology of the Republican Party. I don't know that I believe that. Uh, DeSantis at times has been accused of caring about, say, his wife uh, more than some people thought he should based on what's going on in the world of politics. And a whole lot of reasonable human people said everyone should probably care about their wives, their families enough uh, to do certain things um, and maybe uh, leave themselves open to even the littlest amount of criticism uh, for those types of things. Uh, but even this is, is a moment that I think was profoundly valuable and interesting for a variety of reasons. Uh, but I want to say one other thing. I want to go back to, to something a moment ago, because I don't, and I, this might be the woke millennial and me coming out and just, uh, you know what? <laughs> I apologize for it. I don't want to say that my belief is that everyone has to act or, or be anything. I thought the, the valuable way to be understanding, accepting whatever it was in our society was to not care about other people. And what I mean by that is not in a mean way, but to not demand my thoughts, my feelings, my way of living on anyone. You just let people live their lives their way. I live my life my way. And mutual respect says that we don't really need to debate or demand uh, too many changes there. Of course, some things change when, say, my kid is going off to school and the uh, education system is choosing to do certain things with my child, whatever it might be. Uh, Those are moments where those conversations change. But for the most part, I thought uh, growth, value, whatever it would be in our society, is accepting the fact that we all don't agree on stuff. I thought that was the end of it. I thought that was the, the height of getting to a place uh, where we're a society that's not as, I don't know, we're essentially the planet fitness of, of a world, uh, which is not uh, not realistic. This is not uh, an ideal that I think we could ever achieve. But I thought that was the goal. That was the utopia. 
Now the utopia is I want to tell everybody exactly how to think. And when they think differently, I want to demand they change or make sure they understand that if they don't change, they're in fact a bad person. That is very far from any of the utopia that I thought we were working toward. And again, that might be the the overly woke millennial in me that says that I, I don't care uh, what other people do in the privacy of their own homes and their everyday lives, because that's not really a, a part of my life or, or things that matter to me. Uh, you might disagree. You might agree with that. Who knows? Uh, but I, I do think that at some point that fractured, that splintered, that changed. And a lot of people that I talk to that are in my generation or younger uh, do believe that there are more rights and wrongs in conversations than I thought were opinion. And that if you're not on the right side of it, and I don't mean the right is in the political right, but the side that they create, and it changes, uh, mostly I think it leans into the left, but it does change. If you're not on that side, well, then you are not the not one of the people that deserves to, to be uh, here with the rest of us uh, in society. That I don't, I don't understand how people can't, under, can't uh, fathom on that side of the conversation, how dangerous, scary, and bad that is, and how it's only going to keep ramping up and up and up and up. All right, quick break. A lot of that might be an obvious take you already thought of. Who knows? Uh, quick break, a lot more. Uh, Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Irreverence? Um, like, yeah. So what? It's the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Chad is back after the holidays. Mega Millions, no winner. Again, $640 million now is what the jackpot is estimated to be. Um, so, I, I don't know. Uh, what's funny about this to me and the conversations about it are how ridiculously bad the odds are, which everybody knows, but how they've only been getting worse in order to make the jackpots bigger. And at some point, people start getting involved. Maybe also interesting to me, after the Powerball went over $2, two billion earlier this year, 640 doesn't sound like enough money to me, uh, which sounds insane, because $640 million would profoundly change every aspect of my entire life uh, if I had uh, a chance of winning the one in 302,575,349 to one odds of taking down the mega millions. But I feel like I got to wait for a cool billion. You know, I need the extra money uh, for some reason. I bought no ticket, and I'm not surprised there's no winner because the odds are tremendously bad. They're almost as bad as if it was a one in, in uh, uh, a chance of one in every American buying a ticket and just one person guaranteed to win. That's about how bad the odds are, almost akin to the actual population we have in the country is what I was trying to say. The Powerball uh, odds are actually technically better, and yet they have way higher jackpots for some reason, one in 292 uh, million. Uh, but if you're someone paying attention to Mega Millions, if you're someone that wants to win a sweet $640 plus million, uh, buying a ticket before the next drawing is becoming a, incredibly important to more and more people. Whenever I buy one, uh, which is when it gets up to ridiculous amounts, uh, there's usually several people in whatever gas station or place I choose to get it that are buying them as well. And I always just have a quick back and forth with the person working the the um, kiosk, the person selling the tickets, and how dismissive they if, like If you ask them for real... Like, they'll say something nice, but then if you push them a little bit harder, they'll be like, yeah, man, a lot of people are buying these tickets. I don't know. And they, they always understand what we all do is that it's, it's you know, not not a, a thing that you're likely to win uh, to say it that way. I don't know. But a lot of people will buy more tickets, and good luck to them. Uh, someone eventually will win a ridiculous sum of money and then try as hard as they can to, to hide their identity from the world, uh, which is what I would definitely also do 
If you live in a state where you can do it anonymous, that is the correct answer to the question. Do not let everybody know that you won the ridiculous millions or billion dollar uh, jackpot because a lot of those people actually uh, don't wind up with any money at all. Although I imagine if you get all the way up to a billion, it's impossible to lose it quick. Uh, Other stuff out there, and maybe this connects to the last story, uh, there's this talk of angel numbers being more prominent uh, this year in society. Uh, These are repetitive numbers or numbers that somehow are reflected in the Bible. Uh, Things like 111, 222, 333. There's a lot of examples of angel numbers. But if you see your witness any in the next few days, uh, just before the new year, apparently that's supposed to be tremendous good luck for you, uh, good fortune in the new year. And actually people who care about this at all uh, say that the thing you most need to put aside in your life is doubt. Uh, Whatever it is that you're thinking about doing or, or contemplating being a nice good move for you, Go ahead and throw caution to the wind, throw doubt to the side if you see an angel number, and then assume the best. I'm not sure that that's a valuable way to live your life. I'm not telling you to do it. Uh, I guess you definitely should buy the Mega Millions tickets if you're seeing a bunch of angel numbers out there. Uh, But I just thought it was interesting that people were sharing that and talking about that and how for some reason, maybe because it's a repetitive uh, end of year uh, anyway, uh, that people were seeing more angel numbers this year than they've seen in the past. I I can neither confirm nor deny Uh, that information. I just thought it was interesting that it was out there. And one last thing, uh, a new social media trend has young kids dressing their parents up in fashion styles of today. They say that 90s fashion is coming back. So maybe more and more of these styles are things that mom uh, or dad might have already worn anyway. Uh, But it's a viral trend to show off your clothing and then to ask your mom or dad to put on some of those same styles or clothing and see how they look. I I will say one other quick thing outside of the amusement of all the kids who are saying that these parents are, quote, slaying or cool AF, uh, et cetera, et cetera, is that a lot of these parents are are pretty young in their 30s or 40s, so I'm not remotely surprised that a lot of them look good in fashionable clothing. And actually, a lot of the people who have gone viral are just, in general, uh, incredibly attractive people. Uh, But it definitely made me feel old uh, that I'm on the wrong side of this conversation and that if I did have a kid, we don't, that they'd ask me to put on some clothing. And if anyone was remotely surprised I didn't look horrible, uh, that would be because they thought I was ancient. All right, quick break. A lot more. Craig Collins filling in in the Chad Benson Show. Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in uh, in the middle of a holiday break, probably for a lot of people, uh, just a couple days before the new year. Uh, I don't want to talk about politics for summer. I would like to have the year end uh, where I took cover it as little as humanly possible. So this is a political free segment. Uh, it's just for me. Hopefully you hang in. Uh, the first thing I want to play is a bit of audio. Uh, this is the setup to an interview on uh, news actually in Australia. Uh, talking to a guy, a dad who is being uh, praised as a local hero and all over social media for chasing after armed teens that broke into his home and trying to steal a bunch of stuff. He's okay, he's fine, uh, but they did have uh, weapons. I think they had knives and whatnot on them, a baseball bat. 
I don't know if they had any guns. I don't think they did. Uh, but he ran into the street, and he did it in his underwear. And I just love the way they set up this conversation. I love the puns of uh, local news throughout the world, I guess, not just the country. Uh, and I love the joy they sometimes have in some of these um, just lifestyle sort of conversations, if that's what it is. So here's a few of these uh, from the team that's about to interview this guy for just being awesome. Just wear their underwear like our next guest. Gold Coast dad Steve Milton woke to intruders in his garage yesterday morning attempting to steal his car. Now, with only adrenaline and a pair of jocks, he chased the five <laughs> bandits down the street yeah. half naked before being attacked with a knife and a baseball bat. Yep. The teenagers managed to escape in two getaway cars, but they did leave empty-handed. And Steve Middleton joins us now. <laughs> and he's there to chat about it. Uh, it's just kind of fun the way that they're enjoying it. I can play more audio from that guy in just a minute. But I just love the fact that the setup in the first part you might have missed is that uh, not all superheroes wear capes. Sometimes they wear very little at all uh, is the joke there. But this guy is awesome. Uh, he immediately darted out of his home uh, when he saw that teenagers trying to uh, steal his car. And uh, he took on five kids uh, in nothing but a pair of underwear. And I found that to be a hero of the week uh, for me on this show, uh, uh, nominating him. Uh, I don't know if Chad will be okay with it, but darn it, uh, it's where we are. I apologize, kind sir, if uh, if that was uh, too much. Hero of the week, though, is that guy. All right, other stuff out there that I think is interesting and not political or serious. I just can't take it anymore. Uh, I thought this was kind of cool. Uh, there's new um, research. I think this was done at the University of Tokyo. Uh, that said that the reason that babies kick inside the womb, uh, which can happen as early as 16 weeks into pregnancy, is because they're actually trying to develop their little muscles. Uh, this is real. Uh, their hand-eye coordination and whatnot is something that's crucial to develop throughout uh, early childhood and actually something that does happen uh, in utero here, it says. Uh, they actually uh, conducted this study by, one, paying attention to the movement of kids uh, before they were born. And then for the first few, uh, it looks like months of their life, up to six months of their life, by putting little tiny sensors on them, little tiny mo motion capture technology, seeing how much they moved, uh, checking their muscles and whatnot. Uh, it seems like a pretty fun study for anyone that likes being around a bunch of babies, uh, which is a lot of people, I imagine. Uh, but beyond that, too, is just the interesting uh, sentiment. And I guess you could spin that into some political conversations we have in our society uh, that it's not just uh, spontaneous movement, uh, which is what people long thought was going on, at least according to one study and one university, it is intentional movement of a, a baby trying to develop its body uh, for when it is born. Now, other stuff out there that I thought was very amusing or just interesting uh, in the world, a former Miss uh, Universe has decided to edit her ex-husband out of all of their wedding videos. Her name is Olivia Molly Rogers. Uh, her estranged husband is named Justin. Uh, they are on their way to getting a divorce. And so she decided that the uh, wedding itself, that the videos, that the friends that she hung out with, that all of that was too valuable. So I guess she locked herself, this is my assumption, in some side of room for a while and meticulously edited her husband, her ex-husband, out of every single frame within the entirety of the movie, sometimes having ridiculously close shots of, say, her face and a friend she's standing next to to make sure to get him out of there. Uh, a lot of people would probably say that this is this is a little crazy, uh, and I'm sure that I could make that argument as well. Uh, but darn it, if she likes all the videos, she likes all the photos. Uh, a buddy of mine said uh, that she probably even loves the way that she looked that day uh, because, well, she is very attractive, that she didn't want it to go to waste. I just wonder what it would be like for anyone, and I don't even know how often people share their wedding video in any scenario. It's not something that I've played very often for people. Uh, but if you put it in and turn it on, and all of a sudden you notice there's no guy 
in any part of it. There's no husband at all. It's just close shots of you and your friends. But maybe it's going to help her in some way get over it. I don't know. I just thought it was funny. A lot of people said, said they thought it was a sweet idea, and they think that actually um, wedding photographers and videographers should offer this service as sort of an add-on package. Maybe you pay a lower cost when you're getting married so they do it for you if indeed you need it later on. Or I guess you come back and you pay the higher fee uh, if you have to do it that way. But I definitely was very amused uh, by the fact that anyone would try to do this and the outpouring of support social media gave to her for thinking that it was a wildly humu uh, humorous move. Um, I thought this was interesting too. Millions of views on social media, about 2 million uh, now. Uh, and I don't know why there's a bunch of like wedding stories and whatnot that I'm finding. Uh, but I guess a couple got married recently in a rural part of Colorado. Uh, while they were there, during the actual wedding ceremony itself, around the time that they were going to um, um, do their vows, apparently in the corner, like off enough from them for no one to be actually scared about it, but close enough for everyone to see it, a grizzly bear mauled a moose. That's what the story says. Uh, they don't show a lot of video of that happening, just sort of the beginning of it. Uh, but a moose and a grizzly bear getting a pretty big fight. The grizzly bear handily wins. And that happens right as you're about to, like, get married. I feel like if you believed in omens at all, if you believed in signs from heaven or whatever it might be telling you that you're on the wrong track, the moment where you're getting married, where you're saying I do to someone else in your life, and you don't want to eventually be someone who's cutting them out of the wedding video, uh, years later, uh, seeing randomly a bear maul a moose in front of everyone is probably that moment. You know, like it's it's a very different version than the dramatic. Uh, if anyone thinks these two should not be wed, speak now or forever hold your peace. Uh, that's God telling you that you need to pay attention to something totally different uh, right now and then maybe flee the scene entirely. Uh, but they did go ahead and finish out the marriage. Uh, they do find the video and all the reactions to it to be pretty uh, amusing, pretty funny right now. Uh, and then there are even those experts, including a National Geographic filmmaker uh, who warned that you should be somewhat picky about the place that you choose to have your wedding, the place that you get married. If you want to be rural, crazy location, uh, just be aware that there are risks you take on, like potentially uh, a grizzly bear and a moose being way too close uh, during the ceremony itself. All right, one other quick thing I'll, I'll hit on uh, that I love a lot. And again, this is just a, a segment of freedom, uh, maybe for me. Hopefully it's cathartic to you too. Uh, but a segment of freedom before I take a break from all the news of the day. I love this. And actually, producer Phil sent this to me. A person has had enough of the influencers treating public spaces like they're their own private studios. Uh, this guy went viral on Reddit uh, for photobombing a bunch of people, whether it's on his fancy vacation now or I imagine because of the popularity of this, it might be something he does more often than not. Uh, I see people all the time, uh, especially at the gym. Uh, I go to the judgment-free zone gym. Uh, that's popular throughout the country. A lot of people go to, so no judgment is allowed. But I see people walk in and just do like a series of photos up against the the mirror, and then I think they leave. I don't think they actually work out at all. Uh, but it's so often that you might be in a spot, uh, whatever it might be, especially if you're in a, a big city and some of the touristy locations, where people just disregard that there are other human beings on the street around them in any anywhere near their vicinity and they just like treat it like as this guy says they're in their own personal studio just taking photos so it is pretty hilarious when you decide to start photo bombing a bunch and he does have rules for anyone that thinks this is mean he said anything beyond two photos 
where you seem to be changing positions, uh, taking other angles, where you just seem to care way too much is when he decides to jump in. Uh, he said that he didn't think it would blow up as much as it did. And after a few days of doing it while on vacation, uh, thinking that what he's really doing is trying to tell people to enjoy the beauty around them and not need to be, you know, focused on taking a photo to share on social media. He said that it was uh, bleeping great and that he definitely intends to do a lot more of it. I feel like this could easily be a social media account that gets a lot of following on its own uh, because, uh, again, even just the subtle reminder uh, to people who all the different things they do to to care more about social media than their actual everyday lives, that they are, in fact, in person around other people and that stuff might be going on, uh, that seems to be a valuable thing. That seems to be a valuable reminder. Uh, he said, for the most part, he kept interrupting wannabe uh, models on their quote-unquote photo shoots and that this is something that I'm sure he recommends. I, I want to try this too now, actually. It is something that sounds pretty fun. I got a whole lot of clicks, a whole lot of follows, whatever, uh, a whole lot of interaction on social media. So essentially, it's exactly what all those influencers are after, uh, getting a lot of attention on social media. So maybe it's just a hack too. Uh, maybe it's something that you start seeing abused by those who are trying to get that attention in the first place, where now they're photo bombing other people doing the same thing as them. And then it becomes cyclical and meta. And then we all give up, I guess. I don't know if that happens, but this is hilarious. And I like this guy's uh, effort. Uh, you can read more about it on the subreddit on um, uh, reddit.com, Petty Revenge, which, by the way, is a great place to go to read about a bunch of crazy stuff going on in the world. All right. A quick break, a lot more. Sorry if that wasn't informational enough, but it was cathartic for me. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. If you like talk radio like Chad Benson likes his meals, you've come to the perfect place for takeout. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in, uh, just talking about whatever I guess I feel like talking about because we're so close to another holiday. It kind of feels like this week is is a, a skip week for a lot of people. I feel like if you might be working whatever the job is that you're working, uh, you're probably not putting in the same effort you put in at other times. But darn it, I'm here to try to make things as, as uh, fun as I possibly can, at least for me, and I hope for you too. I love this story. A pilot adopted a puppy after a crazy saga at a San Francisco airport. So I guess somebody traveling from China showed up at this airport months ago uh, with the dog. Uh, the CDC was not going to allow the dog to travel into the country. I guess there was a documentation that was missing or whatnot. So the dog gets held up at the airport and the owner decides to leave it behind to just continue uh, their trip. I think they were flying to New York or something. Uh, so uh, the CDC recommended, actually, and I, I'm not sure, I know I saw a lot of people uh, blaming the CDC for this, but euthanizing uh, the dog. That was one of the things that was likely to happen uh, because this dog could not enter the country and couldn't stay trapped at the airport. Uh, well, uh, United Airlines stepped in and talk about a great PR move uh, that they did by accident and did a little while ago. That might be a great way to demonstrate the difference between flying United and flying Southwest Airlines right now. Uh, they kept the dog at the airport for a while after pleading with the CDC to reconsider. Uh, they then moved the dog to a place where it could quarantine for four months and provide uh, shots and certain things from a vet so that it would be safe to enter the country. This is all real. Uh, the dog was actually flown first class from the airport in San Francisco uh, to another airport in order to wait um, to be actually allowed uh, into our country. And then at the point where Polaris, 
Uh, that's the name of the dog that everybody working at the United Airlines place gave it. Uh, but after um, the time in quarantine, a pilot decided to adopt the dog because he had said, quote, fell in love with it and wanted to go ahead and take it. So this dog survives uh, the dangers of the CDC and also lives for several months like that one Tom Hanks movie at an airport uh, terminal uh, before eventually getting to go home. Uh, this is often. Uh, this is awesome. Excuse me. Uh, the dog's name is Captain or excuse me, not the dog. The dog's Polaris. The man's name who adopted the dog is Captain William Dale, a seven year pilot who had recently moved his family uh, to San Francisco and thought the perfect gift this holiday season would be a dog that was almost not here anymore. <laughs> I love that story. I love how um, awesome and, and kind of uh, feel good. And again, I can already see uh, the commercial put out by United Airlines. Uh, actually get on your flight. Don't have it canceled or delayed. Plus we save puppies. Just so you guys know if you're contemplating between us and Southwest. All right. Another thing out there in the world that I thought was interesting is that Madonna apparently is still shocking people. I guess earlier this week, she put up some photos on her Instagram account, uh, including, um, I guess, references to the track Santa Baby, uh, which some people are saying is also a problem for some reason. Uh, but in some of these photos, she is wearing a, um, uh, a full body pajama. Uh, she's wearing a onesie. And then I guess also, uh, and I think this is just her on her own somewhere else in the house, not with the kids, uh, taking photos of herself in her underwear. Uh, Madonna, who is not someone that should shock anyone at this point in their lives, uh, someone who probably doesn't need to be throwing that many underwear photos up on social media anymore either, although darn it, hey, uh, she's she's proud of how she looks, and I think there's probably a lot of fans that still love her uh, for that, but she's getting a lot of, a lot of criticism uh, for being um, so suggestively dressed in front of uh, teenage uh, members of her family. I don't know. I, I feel like Anyone who's criticizing this, anyone who's going to social media and saying Madonna's getting it wrong. Uh, by the way, some of the other kids fo uh, photographed in these uh, things are 17, 16, 10, and 10. Uh, they just don't know who Madonna is as a person. Uh, this is far from the most shocking Madonna story we've ever seen out there. All right. I'm bouncing all over the world as far as like crazy stories go, and I can't help it. I feel like those are the most entertaining things uh, I am finding today. I saw this story. Uh, it's in the New York Post. It's about a polyamorous farmer uh, who is 67 years old. His name is Musa. Uh, he has 102 children and 568 grandchildren. He lives in Uganda. Uh, once again, in case you didn't hear me correctly, this is a real thing. 102 children and 568 grandchildren. The reason I find this story so amusing is that I guess some sort of local paper wanted to interview him about how inflation has been affecting him, how the cost of living and everything going up has been a challenge. And the guy said, oh, yeah, my income. It's been going lower and lower over the years due to inflation, due to the rising costs of everything. And my family has become bigger and bigger. I feel like that's the reason that you have less and less in the savings account is that you have 102 kids and 568 grandchildren. And just Christmas shopping alone with Musa must be insane. Uh, but I just love sort of the nonchalant coverage of this story uh, where he's saying, yeah, same as everybody else, just dealing with rising costs and how tricky it is and just leaving out the part that his family is ridiculous. And actually, they even interviewed a couple of the people he is he's uh, married to. Um, and some of the women uh, only had like one or two word answers to questions uh, that were provided. Uh, one of them, a woman who is actually 21 years younger uh, than Musa's oldest child, simply said in reaction to a question that she's not having any more kids. It's like, I'm done. Uh, she has actually had 11. 
of the 102 children. Uh, so that's that's her entire add to this story that is just ridiculous in every way. But if you're wondering if things are hard on people throughout the world uh, with all different types of families, and then you check in on a guy with the most ridiculous family you can possibly imagine, the answer is yeah. Yeah, everybody's dealing with things in their own way. I just love it. I, I love that, yeah, no, uh, my, my money isn't going as far as I thought it would uh, because, you know, darn it, the cost of those things are going up and I won't stop making babies. Uh, one last thing, I thought this was interesting and then we'll take a break. I saw that a guy shared how to do, uh, how to apply, excuse me, to 200 jobs in two days. He said it's a hack. He said that you need to do mo no more than one minute uh, per job application online. Uh, just fire them off. Don't write a cover letter for every single place you want to work at or make it generic enough uh, that you can get it to enough companies at once. This is probably ruining the hiring process. Uh, this is Jerry's advice uh, for a lot of people is that some people out there do fire off that many resumes all throughout the world or all throughout at least the country or all throughout whatever communities they're in and make it almost impossible uh, for anyone to really stand out, which is why they actually say, uh, advice I'll actually get behind. If you want a job at a specific place, show up at that place. Hand your resume to them in person. Uh, tell them you want to work there. Show them any kind of interest. That is uniquely different than the world we live in right now and the amount of online resumes people fire off. But I don't know. Jerry's also going to hustle. I hope he gets hired. If he has 200 job applications in two days and no gigs, uh, that might mean there's other things going on in the world of Jerry. Quick break. A lot more. This is Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts independent life this is chad benson with the major meltdown at southwest airlines holiday travelers still stranded across the u.s many unable to get flights for days and already this morning the airline has canceled more than half of today's flights this is federal regulators are stepping in to investigate and yeah it makes sense that federal investigators would investigate that this is the chad benson show my name is craig collins filling in uh, this is a massive, massive bleep bleep. That's uh, what I would like to say. It's just crazy that things are this bad, actually, for Southwest Airlines. Uh, of course, the fact that all the other airlines were capable of navigating the weather uh, makes it uniquely interesting as to what the big challenge was. Uh, a lot of people saying it's the technology of the airline themselves, the amount of uh, maybe dated stuff that they use to whether it's uh, communicate with their own staff. Uh, there are several different reactions where people are saying, and I think, even Pete Buttigieg said this on CNN, uh, that they're losing track of the people who work for them and the baggages and the, excuse me, the bags for all the passengers who are not flying anywhere. Uh, there's a lot of people who are being rejected right now and they're asking for uh, vouchers for all sorts of stuff, uh, which people are saying you should definitely hold on to your receipts to prove that you had delays uh, during these crazy times uh, with Southwest Airlines because you should get some sweet, sweet cash uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, here's Wolf Blitzer asking Pete Buttigieg about exactly that as well. Just spoke directly with the CEO of Southwest Airlines. Did you get any explanation at all 
for this horrendous meltdown of epic proportions. Well, meltdown is the right word. This is an unacceptable situation. You look at the number of passengers who are stranded. Uh, you look at how hard it is even to get somebody on the phone to address it. Uh, from what I can tell, Southwest is unable to locate even where their own crews are. <laughs> from, what, from what I can glean, from the information I can kind of figure out from what I'm watching on television like everybody else, even though my job is to be way more informed than that, they have no idea where anybody is, including their own people. Let alone their own passengers, let alone baggage. Uh, so uh, I conveyed to the CEO our expectation that they are going to go above and beyond to take care of passengers <laughs> and to address this. Uh -huh. uh, they indicated a number of issues that they're having with uh, systems. Uh, I actually wonder how that conversation went, to jump in again for a second, because I really hope it was a very basic version of whoever it is getting on the phone, uh, Pete Buttigieg, anybody and a representative of Southwest Airlines who's trying to get to the bottom of what happened. And the person I imagine who's answering the phone or taking that call or giving the information to whoever they're talking to has like frizzled, ridiculous, like messed up hair. Uh, they're probably not even wearing any part of their uniform completely correctly. Uh, they're looking up dazed and confused and saying, man, stuff's broken. Everything's lost. I know where nothing is. Uh, I feel like that's the person in charge in the back room of Southwest Airlines right now. Uh, it's like the Lucille Ball thing where she's working in the candy shop and all the candy keeps coming and she has no idea where to put it anymore. That's the one person who I imagine is behind the scenes at the back end of Southwest Airlines struggling all alone to fix this sort of thing because how long it's taking. And I know for anyone who's stranded, anyone who traveled during the holidays and now can't get back uh, to their regular life during a week that should kind of be like a gimme week at a lot of places. I feel like this is a weird week after one holiday before another one uh, that really doesn't happen at any other time in our lives. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, maybe that's how Southwest took it. They're like, yeah, nobody works between uh, uh, Christmas and the new year, including us and all of our computers. Uh, I wanted to play this audio, uh, shifting gears a bit. Uh, this is talking about the border. Uh, this is the former U.S. Border Patrol chief, Ron Vitalito. He is talking on Fox News about how Title 42 isn't really the issue because this administration should be paying way more attention to Title 8 uh, or to any part of the law that says, hey, it's not really legal to cross the border into this country uh, without any uh, going through any of the processes we have. Uh, that doesn't really matter then if you dismiss Title 42, if you get it to go away, if we start caring about that fundamental, more important, more basic law uh, that seems to have long been a just uh, ignored aspect by this administration considering this issue. Title 42 is in U.S. code. It regards uh, public health. And so it allows HHS delegated to the DHS. Frontline employees can expel people regardless of their circumstance at our southwest border back into Mexico to protect us all from pandemic conditions. Uh, it was always going to sunset. It was always based on what the pandemic was doing, now challenged in court to be ended. And what it does is it allows the Border Patrol to quickly adjudicate those that qualify for expulsion. So maybe a half hour to adjudicate somebody to expel them back. Uh, once they end Title 42, whether by the court or some other method, then Title 8 is the criminal code that allows frontline employees to arrest uh, and, and prosecute people who come into the border 
to come across the border illegally. They're not going to do that because they're so far overwhelmed. Uh, once Title 42 comes down, they'll be busier than they are now, both in volume of people of coming and in the workflow. What used to take a half hour is, uh, to adjudicate is now going to require them about two to three hours to adjudicate. So it's a bit about the workflow. But Title 42 would not be an issue if this administration followed the law. That's the best burn I've heard on this whole thing uh, and the valuable way in which it's phrased. And like, hey, what about Title 8? can be a brand new hashtag that people throw out there. Uh, but Title 42 would not be an issue if this administration cared at all about the way in which the legal system is actually set up to work, especially in this in this uh, situation. I think that's pretty interesting and a different way than, say, uh, people are because we're already all seeding it, uh, even though people will themselves say, hey, uh, it doesn't really make sense the way we're handling the border. Uh, it seems as though the defiance of, say, the left uh, to actually caring about those simple and basic laws is why you even jump to the need for Title 42, the need for it to not go away, and the need to talk about how things would only get crazier and worse if and when it does, because, well, uh, we're already breaking the law to begin with. Uh, let me play this audio. I think it's interesting. Uh, this guy might have broke some rules, uh, George Santos. He is the Republican politician out of um, uh, Long Island, New York. Uh, I don't know how he won. And what I mean by that, and I'll keep saying this, is I don't know how his opponent running against him on the Democratic side of the aisle didn't find this stuff out about him during their campaign, that he made up where he went to college, uh, that he lied about a bunch of his professional work experience and the valuable companies uh, he worked with, and that he also very well may have lied about um, being Jewish, uh, something that is certainly uh, going to offend a whole lot of people. Uh, but these are the ways in which he dealt with those conversations, uh, sitting down and talking to Tulsi Gabbard, who was in for Tucker Carlson. I thought Dulce, uh, Tulsi did a tremendous job uh, in this interview in making it as awkward as possible. And I'm sort of tempted to just play several minutes of it, uh, but I'll probably try to play just about a minute or so. And one of the best questions she asked him, uh, which is uh, just shaming you. It's the same way that, say, if you get caught doing something bad as a kid, a mom sits you down and says, aren't you um, disappointed in yourself? I'm disappointed in you. I'm disappointed in the decisions you made. Don't you understand where I'm coming from? Like that moment when you just feel like you're the worst person uh, ever, no matter what it is you've done, uh, that's how I assume George felt as he was trying to field these questions. The thing is, Congressman-elect, uh, integrity means, yes, carrying yourself with honor, but it means it means telling the truth, being a person of integrity. Of and if I were one of those in New York's third district right now, now that the election is over and I'm finding out all of these lies <laughs> that you've told, not just one little lie or one little embellishment. These are blatant lies. M my question is, do you have no shame? Do you have no shame in the people well, who are now you're asking to trust you to go and be their voice for them, their families and their kids in Washington? Tulsi, I can say the same thing about the Democrats and, and the party. Look at Joe Biden. Joe Biden's been lying to the American people for 40 years. He's the president of the United States. Democrats <laughs> resoundly support him. Do they have no shame? This, Look, this I've is, made this very this clear. Is not, this I is not it, about the Democratic Party, though. This Pump is it. about your relationship, no, frankly, with the people who've entrusted you to go and, and fight for them. And I think one of the questions that, that really probably hits home to a lot of people is, is are you Jewish? I mean, that's a heck of a last question there. And I could play his answer in a second. I don't need to cut it off for that reason. Uh, but the fact that you're even asking stuff like that of someone who lied as much as they did about their resume, about uh, who they are as a person or, or the education they have, all that stuff 
it is valuable. It is important. It is somewhat hilarious to people like me who think the political system is a, a bunch of liars anyway. Uh, certainly people who, whether it's on the right or the left, uh, wind up in the White House, wind up anywhere, and will tell you bald-faced lie after bald-faced lie. That's just what happens. It's just the the world we live in right now. So this guy, at some point in his political career, is like, if we can lie about a lot of stuff going on in the country or a lot of our reactions to it, even the, the uh, border right now, if I use that as an example, and the way that the Biden administration tried to downplay the problem as long as they did, it's not an issue. It's being overblown. It's not a big thing. Or inflation. That's another great one. Uh, where time and again, the experts rolled out there, uh, and even the Treasury Secretary was saying it'll be transitory. It'll go away. It won't be a big deal. Deny, deny, deny. Uh, look the American people in the eye and tell them something they know isn't true and tell them it's definitely true. That system uh, created this guy as much as he willingly went an extra step out, uh, an extra step further in the world to just being nuts about the lies you tell. Uh, but to me, that's that's the... Um, most interesting moment of the entire thing outside of asking him are you ashamed of who you are do you have no shame in the things that you made up asking are you really in fact jewish that's going to offend a lot of people and what you've said about it And he continues the narrative that he is and i'll play that audio in a second uh, but there have been questions raised as to whether or not what he's about to say is actually also true we've got a letter that your campaign sent out earlier this year which reads as follows as a proud American Jew, I've been to Israel numerous times for educational, business, and leisurely trips. You said there in that letter that you are, quote, a proud American Jew. How do you, how do you explain that? My heritage is Jewish. I've always identified as Jewish. I was raised a practicing Catholic. I think I've gone through this. Even I've not, not being raised a practicing Jew, I've always joked with friends and circles, even with in the campaign, I'd say, guys, I'm Jewish. Remember, I was raised Catholic. So, look, I understand everybody what? wants to nitpick at me. I, I'm going to reassure this. Uh, I don't know if we're just nitpicking, uh, sir. I feel like a lot of that is a little bit more than nitpicking when um, you are making up your education, your work experience, and potentially other stuff, too. I, I feel like that's more significant. I like the downplaying of it, though, the attempt to do it. Earlier on in this interview as well, uh, George Santos said um, that everybody makes mistakes. We all say things and do things that we regret, and these are just his. He's learning from these moments. He's trying to figure out, uh, you know what, honestly, uh, here's the last thing I'll say, uh, and I don't need to play any more of this interview with you for you to easily understand this, and it reminds me of any other politician, uh, Andrew Cuomo, whoever it might be, embroiled in controversy where for a while they're trying to fight it. A while they're trying to say, I'm not stepping down. I'm not giving up this position I have. I'm definitely going to be a political person still. And I refuse to hear all this noise and just demand that you you see it as noise. Is that I think they actually are the last to be convinced that they have to step down. I don't think it's just defiance in hoping the strategy works. I think that there's a lot of arrogance. There's a lot of elitism, a lot of entitlement in the world of politi politicians and, and politics. And so I think that he actually really believes right now, and maybe he won't stand down. Maybe he will serve his two years in office, and maybe that, that won't happen, although a lot of people seem to think it's going to have to at some point. Um, but I just think it's interesting how that, that defiance, that, that arrogance, that whatever you want to call it, I think, it's, I think it's real. I think the people who are attracted to political life, uh, for the most part, and I'm sure there's a, a lot of exceptions to this rule, but a whole lot of people who fit the rule uh, probably already have that inside them, that that version of 
uh, entitlement or whatever it might be uh, that pushes them above and beyond uh, what a lot of everyday people probably would be willing to do if given the same job. And certainly this is the least um, uh, valuable uh, example uh, for a lot of people out there in the world as to how, you know, this party or that party behaves. I think to me it's a lot better example of how politics in general works just getting crazier and crazier by the day. All right, quick break. A lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Podcasts are American as hot dogs, apple pie, football, and sushi. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, my God. No. Okay, maybe not sushi. Next time you have a craving for something sweet and tangy, download a Chad Benson Show podcast. Mmm, boy. That is good. It's different because you get a little bit of saltiness. It's so good because it's sweet and salty at the same time. Get a taste on iTunes, iHeart, or Spotify and binge to your ears content. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. Uh, my name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back after the holiday. I'm in an odd mood today. I feel like the news of the day is so repetitive and all the things we talk about are so repetitive. I don't want to really cover that that much, but I know you need some of it, so I'll get back to it in a bit. I do love this, though. Uh, this went viral. Apparently, a young manager was tasked with firing an entire staff at a restaurant because the restaurant was closing. And so the manager chose to send out a group text message to all the employees at the restaurant uh, saying that the restaurant was no longer a thing. Uh, the way in which this message was written, though, is one of the more enjoyable things I've read in a while. I feel bad for everybody uh, that lost their job. I certainly feel bad for a lot of, I think, the uh, restaurant industry people, uh, whether it's owners or or people that tried to make a living over the last few years in that world because it's been tremendously tricky. And so I guess it's not shocking uh, that even in 2022, we're still seeing a lot of restaurants go under. But this is what the the young manager wrote to all the staff, the the owner of the company, everybody else not willing to to relay the message. So here's what it says. Hey, y'all, so everybody's fired. <laughs> Sorry, that's the first part of it. I'm not going to beat around the bush with y'all. Uh, so if you're scheduled tonight or this week at all, yeah, we're done. The restaurant as a whole, and they actually redacted whatever the restaurant's name is, is no longer a thing. They uh, dead ass just told everybody that like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm so amused. Uh, uh, that like dead ass, I swear to God, this whole thing is is over. So it's, it's all it's all over. Uh, I don't really love the slang uh, in general being thrown out, but in this situation where you have a manager firing everybody and telling them that, I don't know why I like it uh, so much more. Uh, to me, it's hilarious. But yeah, no. So it's it's uh it's a thing. It's over. It's done. And all the employees were joking about it, and the entire thing went viral on social media. Uh, it's not going to work out for anyone that's at that restaurant. Move on to another gig. I wish that someone else had been asked to uh, go ahead and let everyone know they're laid off just around the holidays. But I guess if it was that amusing, maybe you wouldn't be that mad. Uh, one other thing that went viral. Uh, this is uh, out there on the Internet t- uh, today. Uh, a woman was asked to give a tip while she was checking her bags at the airport. Uh, the woman uh, decided to decline the option uh, to tip on top of the bag fees. Uh, she then went on social media and said, why are they asking for this? What is going on? What is with this tip culture? Aren't I paying enough already? And the answer is definitely yes, that you're paying enough already and that you don't need to tip on everything we do in society now. But maybe it's just everybody buying the same software or Southwest Airlines buying really old software that makes the tip option come up in every transaction you have 
everywhere in society. Uh, but I'm glad she didn't tip, and I don't think you should tip when checking your bags at the airport. Although, actually, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a harder job than most. Maybe I'll take that back. I'm going to noodle it. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Uh, lots of stuff, as always, to talk about. Sam Bankman-Fried, more updates there. Apparently, he borrowed the $546 million for his Robin Hood stake. Um, that and also Pharma Bro, uh, the guy that most recently, I guess, was in the news for being a, a pretty resoundly disliked human, uh, just recently gave um, Sam Bankman-Fried advice on how to deal with prison time, how to handle it. I thought one of the more interesting takes on Sam Bankman-Fried and all this this craziness and the things you're learning in court about just how corrupt and ridiculous FTX was, uh, was that um, it was all contingent based on the belief of power, uh, the belief of value that Sam Bankman-Fried had, the fraud, essentially. Uh, all of that was really what catapulted him to this level of a cryptocurrency awareness thing uh, that everyone is talking about so much. And then just the cavalier nature uh, even early on as he was first getting caught for a lot of the things he did uh, and how he talked about it and how he even like made reference to, ah, there's other crimes that I committed that they're not even really after me for. Uh, so many things, so many twists and turns there, uh, but borrowing almost half a billion dollars uh, to throw down money into another company is probably an interesting sign of how things aren't going as well as you're saying they're going at FTX. And then just all the ridiculous amounts of, of donations made uh, whether it was uh, by politicians uh, to uh, even uh, Ukraine uh, through FTX or just by Sam Bankman-Fried himself to Democrats uh, makes you wonder a lot about some of the political twists and turns maybe still left to come out there. Uh, other news that I thought was interesting, there is a new uh, survey out. Uh, U.S. workers want to make at least $74,000 a year. Um, there was a reaction on Fox News. Dr. Mark Siegel, among the people, are uh, reacting to this story, saying that this is an example of millennial or, say, a young person Gen Z entitlement. Uh, actually, something else about uh, the nanny state. Here, I'll play a little bit of this audio. Dr. Siegel, they don't do it for the money. They do it because of the joy and the love they have for the profession. That's and that's what medicine is all about. Is yeah, we, yeah. we do this because we love it. But I think Michelle got this right. This is a, a nanny state. This is the entitlement generation. This is millennials that figured out they don't have to work. And by the way, add to that that we've changed it so now you can work from home. Yeah. So we don't even know if you're actually working or not. That is true. There is a point there. I would, I guess, just take a little bit of umbrage with the idea that medical professionals uh, just do it for the love of the game. They just do that work because they care so much about it. I think a lot of people that go into that field know it is a high-paying, valuable career. Uh, but let's talk a second about the $74,000 a year number and how that number might be a thing that people get to. Uh, because I do think you, you can't make demands. Uh, and actually, uh, maybe I'll play a little bit more of this audio in a second because uh, Dr. Siegel goes on to say uh, there's so many layoffs. 
Uh, so many things going on uh, right now in our country are likely to continue to go on throughout the world as far as a recession is concerned, uh, that having a lot of uh, high demands and maybe not the ability to say, do the work necessary for a company to compensate you at that level uh, means there's a whole lot of young people, a whole lot of new professionals uh, that are stepping into uh, their careers uh, with uh, the version of expectation that some other people might have years into a career. And I think that's the rub. I think that's really the problem, is that whether it is the ridiculously high cost of education or the ridiculously um, uh, unrealistic version of how some people expect just getting any degree at all means you're going to make a whole bunch of money as soon as you get out of college and not really caring about what that is. Uh, but this is interesting that the average worker is saying 74K is a bare minimum I do think inflation plays a part in this. The cost of living plays a part in this as to why that number keeps creeping higher and higher upwards or maybe jumping up uh, every so often. Obviously, when you do things like change the minimum wage as profoundly as it's changed some places, uh, you make people think more and more that, all right, I need I need this amount of incremental growth again in order to keep living at whatever the uh, life uh, uh, I'm living right now, the the type of experience I have every single day. I want to sustain that. I want to sustain that that world. And I think that's actually the other part of the problem. I wanted to mention this quickly. And this is as a millennial, a uh, 30-something talking. Uh, if you need to go to Starbucks every day, if you need to buy the brand new iPhone, if you need to do all these things, yes, you're making harder for harder on yourself to live your day-to-day -day life uh, where all those other requirements are part of just being uh, someone uh, in the entitlement generation, in the nanny state uh, generation that does exist now. I'm not saying it's completely ludicrous by any stretch of the imagination and the amount of people to expect to just live at home for as long as necessary to make that money uh, to live life the way you want. If you can't find a job that pays you the amount of money you need to pay yourself in order to do those casual things you need to do, and it's a hard learned lesson, I think, for some, especially young people, I might even admit my, that I've had trouble with it myself at times, um, then, yeah, then you're going to throw out there that you expect to be compensated at a degree that's not going to work out in a lot of places, not going to work out at a lot of jobs, uh, the more competitive things. And I, I do think this is why, as you see a recession, as you see layoffs, you still hear uh, stories and reactions or or um, conversations with business leaders about how there's a lot of openings in certain jobs that they can't seem to fill, uh, that people aren't applying as much to some of those other professions, some of those other gigs that used to be the start of a professional career uh, that just isn't anymore uh, for a lot of young people because they have this, this outlandish expectation. And maybe it is also what's referenced uh, there uh, from Dr. Siegel about how Americans don't have to work or they don't feel like they, they need to be employed because uh, there are those random examples, uh, and it feels like now more than ever, of, say, social media influencers, whatever they might be, who make enough off of their social media uh, presence that they can live off of it. Some of them can do very well. There actually are a lot of, say, low-level influencers who make that much money or more a year, 74K a year, uh, just being influencers to a smaller amount of people. Um, I think that that skews the perception for the youngest generation or the younger generations, millennials included, as to how much you should get paid for other jobs. Because you see someone out there not working, bragging about not working on social media, and so you think that's something you can do too. And then also just the quiet quitting thing, to me, is such a unique part of it, uh, because anyone who quit whatever job they had over the last year or two by being dissatisfied with it, a lot of young people did that, or choosing to not quit but just stop working hard at all means eventually you're going to get fired, you're going to get laid off, 
Uh, that's another version of just saying that I demand or I deserve certain things and I don't care what situation I'm actually in in life. Essentially, it's denying the reality of, of how each of us is on a different track or in a different moment. So we're not all making the same amount of money. It's not, it's not the version of life that young people were sold on where everything is fair. That's not how life works and that's not how life should work. And so I think that's another part of the challenge too. But it is interesting. And the stat is as high up as $74,000 a year because I think inflation is playing a significant part in that, uh, of course. Uh, I want to play this. This is just silly, quirky audio. And then I'll move on to one other uh, weird thing I saw out there in the news. Uh, But this is making the rounds right now. As we're talking about all the ways in which, whether it's TikTok and the Chinese government spying on people, uh, and whether we have government, our government now banning the use of TikTok on your phone, uh, whether it's some other conversations about how your data was being sold and used by a lot of social media companies for quite a long time, and that's really what the product was, or even honestly, the way in which Elon Musk, through the Twitter files, has been outing to those who I think care about it, uh, which is not a lot of mainstream media, uh, that there was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on that's questionable. Uh, I think you could make the argument that there's been a lot of damage done uh, by the Internet, by our connected society, by technology. I'm sure there's a lot of value that comes from it, too, so I'm not going to say it needs to go away. Uh, but I found this, and it's, as I said, um, popping up a lot right now, about a million and a half views online. It's a 1995 infomercial uh, of kids sitting in front of very old computers talking about how important the Internet is and why you should be on it when I guess people in the mid-90s uh, weren't on it as prevalently as we are today by any stretch of the imagination because it wasn't a thing that really existed like it does now. Uh, but they're selling you on the Internet and how great it is and how much value it has down the road. Some of this is eerie while also being funny. Hey, why should I be on the Internet? Why? <laughs> why? By the time we're in college... The internet will be our telephone, television, shopping center, and workplace. And it's already got more stuff in it than you could possibly (laughs) imagine. Uh Uh-huh. In less than an hour, you can visit the planet Jupiter, take a tour of the Sistine Chapel, (laughs) do research on the rainforest, Uh get soccer scores for a team in Italy, yell and shout at everybody that my opinion is the only one that matters. Oh, wait, no, is that not in there? Okay, that should be in there. I love the, the weird, like, club beat that's behind this as the kids are talking about it and all the different visual images that since this is radio, you can't see of just like flashing screens of, of uh, flipping from one website to another. This is little kids in the nineties being recruited to a commercial to talk about how important and valuable the internet is and how everybody should definitely be on it uh, because it's going to make all our lives better. And I think in some ways it, as I said, certainly has in a whole lot of ways it's made things definitely way worse. Uh, So it's just an interesting moment that's all over the internet right now. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, it's talking about how valuable uh, the internet is. A quick break. That was meta. A quick break. A lot more. This is Craig Collins filling in in the Chad Benson Show. You stink like fear and white male privilege to me. I do often out myself verbally as a gender. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm proud to be a gender. Are you stupid? Robin! What? Are you kidding me? Not a great way to use your white privilege. Some people get it. Some people don't. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. 
This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about in just a little bit of time left on the show. Uh, First, I thought this was interesting. A teacher went viral uh, for saying that she quit her job in education. Uh, She actually calls herself Millennial Miss Frizzle, uh, if you want that uh, online on social media. Uh, But she quit her job in education to go work at Costco. Uh, She says that she's way happier. Uh, that working in retail is way less stressful uh, than being a part of her educational system and that she just feels great every day walking up and going to work, uh, waking up and going to work when she felt so, so uh, not that way, uh, literally sick to her stomach is part of the word she chose uh, when she was showing up and being a teacher. And I I do get a a part of this. Uh, I do think that even though parents absolutely have the right to have a say in how their kids are being educated in the classroom, that all of the uh, drama, all of the back and forth, all of the uh, fights that occur in the world of even debate on this topic or debate on education in general uh, make it very stressful for teachers that probably want to just show up and teach their regular classes, you know, just teach the basic things that they're expected to do, uh, maybe not have as much agenda in teaching some of the stuff that parents are having a a problem with and just getting another gig anywhere where there's not a debate about it uh, the same uh, probably makes a whole lot of sense. So I thought this was interesting, and I can totally understand where this person is coming from. It, it is a shame uh, as well that they're, and maybe this is a person that actually was getting attacked for the things they themselves were teaching in the classroom. I don't know. I don't know m- what Miss Frizzle was teaching, or at least this one. Um, so maybe it was more on a personal level. Uh, but for those who just don't want to deal with the drama, uh, it, as I said, makes sense to me. Uh, but if we get back to a version of, say, maybe having everything Uh, more on the up and up, more understood by all involved. Uh, There's not a denial of some stuff that is going on in classrooms. Uh, Then maybe everyone will just settle down. But it's a unique time in that world. And so working anywhere that's not that uh, probably makes a lot of sense to many. Um, This story was interesting to me as far as other stuff just out there. A Dollar General wrapping paper mistake that happened apparently uh, somewhere here in the country. I'm not sure if they said exactly where the store was. Where the printer must have run out of ink. And then this winds up at a Dollar General. Uh, it got 6.3 million views online uh, because a lot of the words in Christmas are missing. But a few of the words are definitely still there. A few of the letters, excuse me. So when you look at it um, after the first, say, Christmas, and you just look at it with some of the letters that exist, plus letters uh, in the following word, uh, you eventually get what looks like a very bad word, a very bad four-letter word that starts with S, So essentially, you just have time and again that sentence or that word printed on a bunch of Christmas paper. Uh, People thought it was hilarious. They're like, hey, I want the uh, bleep paper. That sounds really fun. Uh, Someone also said a printer actually spit this out. I wanted to make sure I was saying the right word there. And then somebody actually put it on shelves uh, because you can tell pretty easily that because of so many letters missing, there's just a profanity uh, written on a bunch of paper for anyone that bought it from at least $1 general somewhere in the country this holiday season. I would laugh pretty hard if that was stuff given to me, if someone wrapped all my gifts in that. So I understand why it became a viral thing and why a lot of people were interested in it. I saw this story. This is a person that works at a a restaurant, I think actually at an Applebee's specifically, uh, that was warning people not to buy Cheetos-flavored stuff. And I don't want anyone to come after me. I don't want any lawsuits, so I don't know if this is true or not. I just know that it's it's viral and out there in the world. Uh, apparently, the claim is that the ingredients used to make the Cheetos flavoring are not exactly things we'd all want to put in our bodies, even the way in which the Cheetos flavoring is then tossed around and put on things like, say, wings 
is something that the uh, coated, uh, crunched up crumbles of this product uh, don't really look all that great. And even though the menu listing uh, with a photo that makes it look really great, like ground uh, flaming hot Cheetos are actually used, uh, the truth is behind closed doors, that's, according to one guy, uh, not what's actually happening. Uh, the video racked up a whole bunch of views, as I said, and a lot of people in the comment section are saying, oh my God, I never would have thought that this completely unhealthy thing I was buying at a fast food or a, a sit-down uh, chain restaurant is something that would be made of a bunch of terrible products. I don't know why I love this so much. Um, other people were making references to how much time they'd probably spend in the bathroom after eating this product. Um, I, I think this is pretty much expected. If you go to any restaurant anywhere, not just an Applebee's, but anything, and you buy an item on the menu that says it's it's uh, coated in flaming hot uh, uh, Cheetos, you probably should understand that the thing you're consuming is not is not healthy. So maybe the only thing that really entertains me about this, other than any of the video this person put out actually preparing the product, uh, which is stuff that people were reacting to, uh, is the fact that anyone was was acting as though they were surprised uh, that what they were seeing seemed tremendously unhealthy. Uh, because doesn't that make sense? Isn't that why you go? Isn't that why I buy the Doritos Locos Tacos at uh, at Taco Bell every so often? And I know the thing I'm consuming is really not all that good. Uh, that a lot of stuff going into my body is probably not stuff I should be willingly putting into myself. But darn it, I love it. It tastes great, and that's all that matters. So, yeah, again, I think it's pretty funny that that went viral and a lot of people are reacting. Uh, I'm not going to say what uh, chain restaurant I worked at when I was in college, but some of the things I saw in the kitchen, too, are not things that were illegal, not things that would get anyone in trouble, but things that would make some of the food items far less appealing uh, definitely happened, especially with mashed potatoes. Specifically, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to put anything else out there. Uh, one last story, and then I got to go. Uh, I got to get out of here for the day. Uh, just a couple more fill-ins from me, and Chad is back after the holidays. Is a woman who got shamed online for the snack she made for her kids in school. Uh, she put together a lunchbox that only had a few items in it, uh, sharp cheddar cheese, crackers, and then I guess seaweed. A whole lot of people said it wasn't enough food, even though it looked healthy. It looked like she was starving her children. Uh, just a couple of questions uh, that I ask every time I see one of these stories. Why are you sharing this stuff on the Internet in the first place and hoping for good things because things always go bad? And how do we know that this isn't enough food for the kids? How does anyone know that this is wrong? I love how many people are saying, if my kids ate this, they'd be starving after and begging me for more food. Uh, you have no idea uh, what's going on. So I just thought it was interesting that so many want a parent from afar like we do all the time on this. But I think the real message, the one I'm trying to convey, and I probably convey it often in these stories, is oversharing on the Internet is something that's definitely not going to go well for a vast majority of the people who do it. All right, I'm out of here. I'll see you tomorrow. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. This is The Chad Benson Show.